Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. I'm sorry we weren't here the last few weeks. It was not something like a control. It had basically, there were three simchas, two that I was involved in and one somebody else was involved in, and we weren't able to be here those three weeks. So, sorry. But we're back now, as Hashem Yisbarak will continue right through, except for Yom Tov, and uh, we should be able to uh, satisfy the listeners completely. And let me just say that I would love to hear from you. There's so many things we could talk about. We want to get more involved with the listeners. So if you have the time, if you can get to a phone, I'm going to give you the telephone numbers because it's it's important for us to continue, if we can. This show is started as inter, uh, you know, com- with communication, with uh, an interchange of thoughts between the consumer and the and me, and uh, try to help the consumer all week long. And I would like the show to continue that way if we can. If we can't, we can't. But uh, you can reach us at seven one eight six eight three. Five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. I want to also mention you could uh, text us. We take the texting at three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. I also want to mention the way to listen to the show. Uh, you can use the uh, uh, you can seven one eight five zero six nine zero nine nine, or you can use what's the other seven one two four three two four two one seven. So again, if you want to call us now or any time during the show, just call in 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, or text us at 347-927-8398. We have a caller already? Okay, put the caller on. Go ahead. Hello, you're on Cautious on the Air. Can we help you? Yes, I'm so glad you're on. I could call you. I had this problem. I didn't know who to ask about this. Um, At the beginning of this, I ran out of Tums, and I saw a ShopRite to buy it. They they didn't have the size of everything. Oh, I went to Rite Aid. So I didn't seem to have the everything. I see they have their own brand, right? A passive, that's uh, compared to Tums. So I decided to buy it. It was a good price. It looked I figured it worked. Um, then, uh, my um, I get a feedback, by the way. Hello? I'm listening, but you have to... It's very hard <laughs> to talk because I, I okay. get everything I say, I hear back. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry about that. Okay. In, in any case... One of my married kids were in the house. She wanted a Tums. And she says to me, oh, Ma, this Tums doesn't have an OU or any kind of Hersha. Not that the other Tums has such a fantastic Hersha. But she says the Rite Aid brand doesn't have anything. So okay. my question is, um, I looked right. at the ingredients. Now, there's one thing that could be questionable is glycerin. Which I also have a question about something else. I had the right. same the same situation with buying um, Shoprite uh, a set of medicines. 
It yeah. also has glycerin. Okay, so and I wonder if it's okay. Okay, so let's let's go through it briefly. You're talking about something that possibly is medicinal and not considered to be a food. However, when you're talking about these tums, they're flavored. The old tums were very boring, and everybody gets the flavored tums. So there is, there is, a, a, there is an enjoyment that goes along with it. And in terms of halacha, it should require a bracha, because it's like, it's like a food. I mean, it's not something you're going to go buy just for, 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 for like lozenges, or I mean, like, a, like sucking candy. It's not something that you get very excited about. But there's a positive kick to it. There's something nice in there, that little flavor that's something positive, and it really de deserves a bracha because it, it is, it is, or like, it is it being ingested like a food. And the reason why you're taking the Tums rather than some antacid uh, that comes in a different form is because you want that chewy, fast reaction, and you want to have that little flavor. So really, it, it, it does do require hashkocha. There are with the, with hashkacha. Now you mentioned about the tums. I don't want to get lost in hashkachas, but the, right. if you mentioned about the tums and you said there was, that's a, not that's a great hashkacha you saw on it, yeah. the truth there of the matter is that that gentleman does a proper job. Plus the fact that he doesn't give hashkacha on the ones in Canada, and there are flavors there that are not appropriate. And you see the glycerin. Glycerin does need hashkacha, and very, very, very possibly is not kosher. The same with the other thing. I forgot what the other thing you mentioned, which is also if it has it's glycerin. It's like Tylenol. Okay, so time. Tylenol, when you're taking that's that's in the that's definitely in the in the, in the area of medicine, and there's no you're talking for an adult. There's no chewing and sucking and 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 there's no benefit, no physical enjoyment. So therefore, it's purely a medicine. So if you can get a kosher medicine, it's good. It's a nice idea, but there is definitely a reason to, to use something, even if it's not 100% kosher, if it is for medicine. Okay, thank you very much for calling. The, hello? Okay. Yeah, thank you. The thing is that with the Tylenol, the reason it has glycerin is the coating to make it slide down quicker. That's I, I, what I, I read I, on the... Okay, but that's, that's, not, that's not good for us, but really, again, a Tylenol is a medicine. And you're not having any pleasure from that. So it may be it's not kosher, that part. You know, if you can get a kosher one, it's much better. But to say that you have to, you can't eat that, can't take that, I wouldn't tell you that. But with the, with the, with the tum thing, I would definitely have told you get kosher. Thank you for calling. Yeah, thank okay. Until we get another caller, I want to tell you uh, one thing I want to give you, a piece of information that just came out five minutes before I left for the house. So this is like really hot. And then afterwards, we're going to go on to a number of topics that we have prepared. This is a product called Kronos, K-R-O-N-O-S. It's a well-known company. And some of the products, especially ones in Canada, do come with Ashkocha. And there's an organization that gives Ashkocha in Canada. It's called the Badats Toronto. Badats Toronto called me today and just a few minutes before I came here, that this particular product has their hashkocha, and it's not theirs at all. There's no hashkocha on the product. It comes from Greece, and it's being sold in Chicago, 
And uh, he mentioned, I don't know what the other area he said it was being sold. I don't, know, I don't know that it's not being sold here in New York. He didn't know. It's called Kronos Imported Manuri, M-A-N-O-U-R-I, semi-soft whey cheese with a creamy texture. So this Kronos whey cheese is uh, an unauthorized Badatz Toronto symbol. Now, what we're going to talk about today, I have really four things. One, I was a piece of, uh, from, uh, from, from, uh, from the Torah, which, which I hope to be able to mention. But I think we should get a little bit into one of the other, co- uh, the other topics because I want to get back to Kashras per se, and, uh, and, and we've, had, we've been missing a lot. So I got a few calls that I wanted to share with you. One was from a person in our neighborhood over here in Flatbush that uh, he, he's a Ben Torah. He learns in Kolel. He's a Spanish fellow. And he was asking me a question. And I, I want to share with you what he asked and what I told him. He said that there's a certain store. It's ice cream, ices. They have parva and dairy. It's all chalavstam. And, uh, but, he, but the parva is parva. I don't know if he was interested in the cholestam or he's interested in the parva. That certainly didn't ask him that question. But he wanted to know about using this particular ice cream store because there is no hashgacha on the store itself. But the ice creams that are being used are from, and ices are coming from this particular company, which uh, is kosher certified by a certain rabbi. And uh, he wanted to know if this is good enough. So I helped him investigate it. We, we went and we found the, the letter from the, uh, the Kashrus organization. It's really one rabbi who certifies, and this is the letter puts out. This letter confirms that the ice cream and Italian ices that made by this particular place are listed below, bearing the commercial retail enable of such a thing. They're all certified kosher. All flavors of the ice cream are considered dairy, not Chal Yisrael. And the Italian ices in the stores are co- comprised of both dairy, not Chal Yisrael, and non-dairy, parva flavors. So the ices are milchiks or parva, ices. I'm not just talking about the ice cream. Okay, at the bottom of the letter he writes, this supervision is only for the products listed above and is not for any other items or condiments sold in the store. Some of the con- in other words, this, this, this letter is printed and, and put in the store. And it says, the, uh, some of the condiments, sprinkles, etc., may have other hechsherim. However, it is the consumer's responsibility to check. How could you check? <laughs> you have the sprinkles, are not in, they're not coming out of a package. They're sitting in a little container. You have no way of knowing where they came from. But that's, that's what he tells you to do. Go check. All the condiments to find out who, who gave them. It's a, like an impossibility. Say, the management has been strictly instructed, which means there's no supervision whatsoever. They're, they're, nobody's there. Uh, the management has strictly been strictly instructed to have separate designated scoopers for non-dairy parva ices. <laughs> so you have the milchiks and the milchika ices and the parva ices, and they're supposed to have a special scoop that's just for the parva ices. And now let's say a person wants, I'm not talking about you, but somebody wants to have 
the parva and the uh, and the, uh, the dairy or the ice cream and the ices together on thing. So he takes this one scoop, then he has to put it down, pick up another scoop, and then, and he never ever mixes. Plus the fact that you know that when you open these box, these containers of ice cream and ices, so after a while. There's, you'll see other flavors that got mixed in. It's impossible that people only take one flavor. If you have, I have here like about 30 items that, that, that are certified, about 30 items. So it's impossible that a person, that every time everybody takes chocolate, or they take vanilla, or they take this ices. The other one looks interesting, has a good name. So they pick it up too. So they, they're using these spoons interchangeably. Then the rabbi says, it's, remember, we, we instructed, he instructed the, uh, the, the people in the store that they have to use a special parva one for the parva ices. In any case, do not hesitate to request that the server rinse the scoop under running cold water before ordering parva ices. So in other words, you're your own mashkiach. You've got to check everything out in the store. And this is hanging in the store, and everybody who goes in there sees the name, sees the sign, and makes the assumption that the, the name of the store is the same as the name of the ice cream, and therefore everything is being controlled by this rabbi. And if you read the letters, which is very small letters, you'll see that it's not necessarily so. Yeah, any more calls? Okay, go ahead. You're on Kashmir's on the air. Yeah, hi. I was wondering if you could address the non-adult Tylenol, the children's Tylenol, are there certain issues with the flavors, or what could you tell us? Uh, well, I can't tell you currently, because I'm not doing, you know, if I would have been aware that you were interested in that, I would do some research into it, and I could do that, believe Netta, for another time, maybe even next week. But I'll, I'll tell you what I can tell you right now. Mm -hmm. uh, this has been a very, very hot topic o over the years, because Tylenol... I mean, the kids need this stuff, no question about it. And they definitely put flavors in because you, you can't not put flavors in. Unfortunately, in Canada, they were using non-kosher flavors, and the company in America that produces this was, it was a problem with the factory, and they were getting everything from Canada. And the OU did the research, and it got back to us and said that the, uh, the, the, the product coming from Canada is not kosher. It's from non-kosher animals. It's not questionable. That's, that's what the company officially states to them. And then they inquired, official inquiry. And the answer was, it's not from, from non-kosher, from animal sources. So really, uh, it, it was a very big topic. But I think if you live in a from neighborhood like uh, Flatbush or Borough Park or Williamsburg or any place like that, I think you can usually find a, a kosher certified one or one that is 100% not a problem by going into the firm stores and asking for it. Now, there's a list, and I'm going to tell you about that list. The list, the Star K has a list. I don't know if the CRC in Chicago has a list, but I assume they do. The CRC website is crcweb.org. I'm not supposed to mention it, but I do it anyway. And the Star K is stark.org, or you can call them, and maybe they'll email it to you or fax it to you or maybe even send it in a snail mail. But the, the lists that they have from the Star K, they, they have products that have no ashkacha, which they have researched and are satisfied that are acceptable. They have over-the-counter medications. 
of the children's Tylenol, I'm sure, is included in that list. So that's the first places that I would go, either stark.org or crcweb.org, or make the calls to the Chicago Rabbinical Council or to the Star K and get their list. Or I would go to, I would call a from store in Flatbush or Borough Park, and uh, usually they'll be able to tell you exactly what's available in the market. Now, if they don't have it in, so there's another store, but it has to be something that they, they are, they're going to know what's being used now. And it isn't always the same product. Just like I told you with a real Tylenol, sometimes it's strafe, sometimes it's kosher. So people who are in the industry, or whether the pharmaceutical industry or the conscious industry, stay on top of it. I am an editor of a conscious magazine, and whenever I do look into something, I get the answers that I need but I can't say that I'm walking around with all the information in my head. Okay? Thank you. Yeah, for thank you very much. Thank you sure. for calling. So I'm going to go back to my, my little topic over here, which was about going into these stores. Now, everybody's heard this before, but it was, it's really very interesting. First of all, I had this Ben Tyra who was, was clueless about this, and he figured, he saw a sign, he figured uh, the rabbi is certifying the store, and when we, when we went into it, he realized that there's, the emperor has no clothes. There's nobody behind this. And you have to be your own mashkiach when you go into the store. You have to check out the toppings. How you check it out, I have no idea, because it's like saying, check out the Chal of Yisrael. Go into a store and that, sells, uh, that sells coffee, and you see a container of Chal of Yisrael. And they say, you, I want like the Chal of Yisrael. Okay, they pour from that, cup, from that container. But I know for a fact that many times people just use the container over and over and over again and you've regular milk in there. So it's not, it's not maybe, it's a fact. It's a very, very clear fact. There's no ashkoch on the store, nobody's in the building, no one knows what's going on. And here, you know, where you, you, you see sprinkles and the guy tells you, oh, that comes with an OU. And you'd be satisfied? Ridiculous. A non-Jewish person is going to tell you what the sprinkles are. You, you, you need to examine the box. And when you examine the box, you still don't know because you don't know if what's out there right now in that little container is it from this box or one that he threw away. And, 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 and I'm not kidding. This really does go on very, very often. So it's sort of silly to, to make the person the mashkiah for that. And I'm going to read to you two things, one from the ORB in Florida, oh my goodness, and I, I really, you know, that's the, that we all daven for these people and, 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 and everything should straighten out for them. This is uh, in Broward and Palm Beach. Okay, I'm going to read to you what he says from Rabbi Weitz. Eating in a non-kosher ice cream shop. It has become commonplace for ice cream and frozen yogurt shops that are not under kosher supervision to display kosher certificates that were issued for their ice cream and yogurt suppliers. This is very misleading. First, the ice creams and yogurts in that facility are not necessarily the products that the certificate, certificates attest to. Distributors and suppliers routinely deliver product that is not quite what the restaurateur ordered. Perhaps the supplier ran out of that exact product. Perhaps another one was slightly less expensive. <laughs> Perhaps there is a new type of product the distributor wants to market. Three very, very good reasons to think about it. That he may have substituted it because uh, 
you ran out of the other one or because the, this one is cheaper and, or because it's a new product that he has to test on the market. Second, even if everything in the store is normally from a particular manufacturer, which is the case that we just had here with this store with the ice cream, occasionally when the store runs out of a product, they will purchase another that is not from the manufacturer listed on the letter of certification. Nobody's to stop him from buying something else. Now you say, ah, come on. There, it's the same company, the name, it's not the same company, the same name, it's this, uh, I can't believe that they're, they're substituting. Well, there was a Rabbi Travis, should be, live and be well, in Farakaway, was a butcher. I know from the old days. Rabbi Travis told me, he said, do you know what happened? I said, what? He said, I got a call to take certain meat that wasn't from a regular distributor. Somebody said he had extra meat or he got a special run or something, whatever it was. It wasn't going through regular channels. But it's very good ashkocha. I said, no. It was, the price was cheap. I said, no, I'm not taking it. Well, that was Rabbi Travis. That was a butcher of old. I don't know what people do today, but I can just guess. It's not, it's not uncommon to be tested that way. With cheapest schayra, with something that doesn't have, a, you know, doesn't have the proper certifications on it, it's very, very, very easy to fall into that one. It's just once. Just once. <laughs> just once. Okay. Um, third, I don't even I'll get to the second one. No, I'm sorry, second. Even if everything in the store is normally from a particular manufacturer, occasionally when the store runs out of a product, they'll purchase another one. Okay, for now, okay. There is, there is little, if any, incentive and no oversight supervision to ensure that the product that's advertised in the kosher letter that's posted on the window is the same thing you pick up in your scoop in the store. We don't know that. You're making that assumption. Third, not all the toppings and syrups are necessarily kosher. Now listen to these. The rabbi didn't mention these, but listen to these. Hot fudge, gummy products, marshmallows, and unlabeled syrups are often problematic. Additionally, sodas, milkshakes, coffees, and teas can pose significant kosher issues. Even when we intend to buy just ice cream, or this man just just part of ice cream, <laughs> part of part of ices. The allure of the myriad toppings can derail our better judgment. Does a 15-year-old kid is going to just get the get this one item and not put anything on top of it? Are you going to tell me that? Fourth, when people see a religious Jew entering a store to purchase a supervised item, onlookers assume that everything in the store is kosher. After all, who would think that an observant Jew would buy in a non-kosher restaurant? Thus, even if you're certain that the product that you're about to purchase is kosher, you may be seriously misleading other people and causing them to buy non-kosher food. Murray White is writing beautifully. Got to get him for the magazine. Lastly, the kosher community should give a great deal of credit to stores that pay for kosher supervision. Such businesses are often at a disadvantage in that they have expenditures and product restrictions that the non-kosher places don't have, especially if Jewish-owned 
are generally closed on the busiest days and nights of the ice cream buying week, the Friday and Shabbos. It is fair to patronize the business that does everything not to be kosher certified. I'm sorry, is it fair to patronize the business that does everything not to be kosher certified rather than one that goes the extra mile to ensure that you can purchase any item in the store knowing that a cautious agency regularly inspects the store to ensure kosher compliance. And that's a big statement. That's a very big statement. That, that, that you're going to a non-kosher place and they don't care about kosher. I mean, you know, and, and here, the guy who's got kosher certification, he cares. Therefore, the ORB, that's the, the Orthodox Rabbinic Board, of Broward and Palm Beach counties, they should be well than be well, in Florida. It says, the ORB recommends that an unsupervised ice cream and frozen yogurt stores, even if they carry kosher products, should be passed over in favor of fully kosher certified stores. And that's down in Florida. In Brooklyn, people don't care. They just don't care. This is what the regular Jews in Florida are reading. You don't go into those stores. And here at Ben Tyra, in our neighborhood, is asking me these questions and totally clueless. It's, it's mind-boggling. Okay, you scream ice cream, we all scream for ice cream. The old ditty still rings true today. Ice cream and frozen yogurt are some of the best treats one can buy. Let's make sure we're buying 100% guaranteed kosher treats. And remember to thank the store owner for being kosher certified as well. He'll appreciate it, and you'll be making a statement that kosher is important. I think that was beautiful. And I had another one here from the CRC, but I'm just going to give you the punchline because I have other stuff to do, and I, I maybe I won't have any time for anything. Anybody wants to call in, our telephone number is 718 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Or you can text us at 347-927-8398. Now, I'd like to uh, just give you a few words from the CRC, the Chicago Rabbinical Council. It says the uh, phone line is extremely not clear, so we'll try to work on that. Okay, anyway, oh, that's not us. That's from earlier. Um, this is just a few words from the CRC. As the average person may not be aware of all the kosher regulations, it's always preferable and recommended to only frequent shops under a reliable kosher supervision. So there out in Chicago, there in Broward and Palm Beach counties in Florida, they don't walk into the stores that the people in Brooklyn walk into. Okay, we got something to learn from them, that's for sure. My next topic is, well, let's go to something different completely. <laughs> this is an interesting one. It's uh, a, a Talmud of mine asked me, I mean, these are, these, this is really the topic of the day. <laughs> what would you do to get a kosher hot dog on a on a block, 
outside in like a little hot dog stand. Remember those things you passed, the hero sandwiches and all that smelly stuff that comes to you? They some pipe out the smoke. <laughs> you can't go by to the bank without smelling the stuff. You know what I'm talking about? All these streets over here. Well, there's one place in Brooklyn. I'm not going to give the details. I, I can't do that. Uh, but I, there's one place in Brooklyn where you can go on that street corner. It's in downtown Brooklyn in the, the business section. You can go. You can go. Uh, in, you can go on, on that corner, and you can buy instead of these striped places. You can buy a kosher hot dog, hamburger, whatever it is you buy over there, and it's not cheap. It's between eight and thirteen dollars, but you know it's kosher, and uh, and people uh, love this idea. Fifty uh, percent of the people who buy it, by the way, are not Jewish. But the other 50% are all from, I guarantee you. They're all from people and uh, you know, running out during business hours. So it seems that there's a hashkocha there. And uh, I, was in, I was asked by my Talmud uh, what I thought. And, of course, I hadn't spoken to anybody, so I made him do the work. I'm just going to tell you what I did. So it, it's a way of helping you to understand how to deal with these questions. So he spoke to this. I asked him to speak to the rabbi and ask him these particular questions. Is the owner a Shomer Torah or Mitzvah? The owner of this little stand, whether he's there all the time or not, that's something else, but is the owner himself a Shomer Torah or Mitzvah? I'm not talking about Shabbos Shabbos. I'm talking about somebody that you could rely upon. Okay, who does the Bedikas Toloyim checking? Who checks the vegetables? Uh, are, they, are they prepackaged? I mean, what, you know, we've got to know what the vegetables are because... They put out sauerkraut and stuff like this. You know, you have to know. And they actually make salads, too. How does he preserve Bishul Yisrael? And remember, you know, these carts, uh, they're not necessarily only a Jew working there. So there's a cart. Uh, you know, is, and, and we, are we sure that it's Bishul Yisrael? Are the workers non-Jewish? Or are they, just, are they not Orthodox? I want to know who are the workers in this. And the last question I asked, it, to told him to tell his, to ask the rabbi, he should say to him, pardon me for asking, but would you eat this food yourself? So those are the questions I gave him. Now, it, had I not known who the rabbi was, I would have given him more severe questions. But I do vaguely know who this rabbi is. And I, I, I felt that these questions were sufficient. And we're going to go through the answers he got because he sent me back the answers he got. As the owner of Shomer Torah Mitzvahs, yep, and he's asking some Shomer Torah Mitzvahs. Who does the Bedikas Toloyim? The people of this, who own these carts, they do the checking themselves. And uh, the Shomer Torah Mitzvahs does the checking. And they're using the, the, the methodology of, he mentioned a certain national hashkacha, and then that's the methodology they use. Uh, how does he preserve Bishi Yisrael? So he said, everything is Bishi Yisrael and Pas Yisrael. Hashem Torah Mitzvah starts the fire. Also, all the cooking is done in his organization's kitchen. It means the rabbi who certifies the products has the actual cooking done in his facility. Are, he doesn't own it. Are the workers non-Jewish or non-Orthodox? There is always one Shomer Torah mitzvah in the cart. In other words, you do have some who are people working there that are not Jewish. Also, the owner is often around 
himself also too. Uh, there's more than one more worker there, so it's possible the second worker is not a Shomer Torah mitzvah, but they do have always one Shomer Torah mitzvah on the, in the cart. And they asked him about eating. The, the, the rabbi eats. He says, absolutely, yes. So I thought that was interesting and the, to get used to some of the questions to ask and a little bit about this, uh, about this place. Now, this little cart which is, uh, you know, I don't even know the size of it. I did see pictures, but uh, I don't know the size of it. So this little cart, interestingly enough, becomes a pop-up restaurant. In other words, they're going to other communities. Basically, he's based over here. I don't know if he has other ones, or only one cart, but he does take a cart occasionally to some of the universities. So you might find that cart there, and you might find the, the name of the rabbi, etc., and, and the details you now have some kind of an idea. And these pop-up um, restaurants are going on all over the country. It's the a, it's a hottest thing that you, you, you can sort of make a restaurant for one night in a shul and you know, serve the food there, uh, and, you, and you go on. And this is a way that uh, some communities can get high-quality meals, and uh, and also, <laughs> the man can make some high quality dollars, and they they will have a hashgacha hopefully, and hopefully a good hashgacha. I, I've spoken to a number of these people, and I see that it's sort of a trend. I don't know if it's good for us or bad for us, but that is a trend. They call them pop up restaurants. Now we're going on to our next topic, but if anybody wants to call in, uh, the telephone line seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. 718-683-5858, or text us, which is the best way, at 347-927-8398. So I'd like to share with you a, a, some ideas that I had on a recent Parsha in the Torah, which we read, which is Parsha's Re'eh. And I saw some things that are very important to us as kosher consumers and I was fortunate enough to see things that I had never seen before, or maybe I had seen them, but it didn't register in my brain. So if you'll just give me a few minutes, I'm going to share with you not just the Bar Torah, but I'm going to share with you some insights that are very important to us as kosher consumers. In Parsha's Re'eh, where the Parsha talks about, Hashem says you got two choices. You get a bracha or you get a curse. Your blessing, a curse, you have two choices in life. And very interesting, you watch the Pasuk, as Habracha, you get the blessing, Asher Tishma'u, when you serve, when you keep the mitzvot of Hashem, Elokeichem, Asher Anochi Mitzaveh Eschem Hayom. If you keep the mitzvot of the Torah, the mitzvot of Hashem Elokeichem, very important to see that it says Hashem Elokeichem. And the claw of the curse, Im lo Sishma'u el mitzvot Hashem Elokeichem, if you don't listen to the mitzvot of Hashem, and you go away from the way, go off the derech, as they say, off the D, and that I commanded you to go today. You go after other gods. So what the Torah is telling us here is really extraordinary. And if you, if you have time, sometime in the future maybe, go back to Parshas Re and work it through from beginning to end you're going to find that what I'm telling you now applies to almost everything in the Parsha. And that is, 
we have two choices in life. And one leads to bracha, one leads to curse. And, and, and that those two choices are not just choices of lifestyles, whatever it is. One is to God, and one is to other gods. That's, that's the way it works. Now, most people don't think that way. The person who's off the Daryl says, I'm not interested in Christianity, I'm not interested in, in Buddhism, I'm not going to become, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to become one of those. I'm not going to a monastery, I'm not going to a, you're not, I'm not going to go to uh, India to study uh, with, a, with some uh, guru. No. But I don't believe in the whole thing. Not true. Absolutely not true. And we're going to show you a little bit of examples, but that's what the Torah is telling you. This, if you don't do mitzvahs, you're really following other gods. What those gods are, we're going to see a little bit of it here today, but the rest you can put together in your mind. That's the introduction. Now, there's two mitzvahs that come up in this particular parsha that are very interesting. One is not eating blood, which everybody knows that's a strange halacha. Don't eat blood. My goodness, what, what, what does it matter, the whole thing? I mean... First of all, you know and I know that even when you take out all the blood, there's still red stuff inside, which is technically the same kind of material as blood, but it's not halakhically blood. Okay, fine. So it's still in awe. What is this whole thing? What's the, what's the whole, uh, you know, why getting so excited about blood? So the Torah says you have to force yourself, you have to fight with yourself in order, not to eat the blood. And, and you're supposed to spill the blood out. And the Torah says, if you do it, if you throw away the blood and don't eat it, it'll be good for you. And to your children afterwards. You're doing the right thing. Not eating blood? That's big stuff. And you think, what in the world is it? Okay, so we all know that uh, you're supposed to overcome your Yitzhahara. I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into this which I think is very, very pertinent. If I can find it, it'll be easier. Here it is. It's hiding over here. First we have the Soporno. The Soporno says, the Soporno says the following words which was mind-boggling when I saw this. I never knew this, and I don't think most of you ever heard this before in your life. So it's really something unique. But it tells us something very special. This is the soporno. In other words, there seems to be some kind of grouping that says that if you if you drink blood you'll be able to see the shadim you'll have communication with the shadim with these demons and you'll know the future you'll be able to divine the future you will know if you eat the blood don't drink the blood to have connection to these shadim. Uh, that was blew me out of the water. But basically saying that when you eat blood, you're tying into other beings, other, 
uh, maybe not gods. Uh, shade is not a god. Maybe, uh, maybe it is. I don't know if you whatever they say, but it's another religion. It's another thing. You're not tomim tiyem Hashem alakecha. You're not relying on Hashem for the future, but you want to divine the future through shadim. Oh, it's alternative. Yes, that's real alternative, and that's something that the blood represented. The Rashi says that shayu shtufim bedam lo the people were steeped in blood to eat it. It was the culture. By not eating the blood, it was like going, it's like, it's like not eating at McDonald's, except in Israel with a good ashkocha. Not eating at McDonald's, that's what it would be like. That was the culture of the times. And, and you're going against it? That's what eating blood was in those days. And Hashem says, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you back for it. Now, the next part of it, which is, this is the unbelievable, and all of us know the Pasuk, but you never knew what I'm going to show you now. You never knew this. I can't believe that anybody's listening to me knows this. I mean, you do, but I, I doubt it. It says, the Pasuk says, Ki am kadosh atoh l'ashem elokecha lo sevashel gedi b'chalei You're a holy nation to Hashem, your God, do not cook a calf in its mother's milk. Now listen to this, the porno. This is, this is it, it beats out the other one. <laughs> My opinion, anyway. It's one line. The porno says, Lo sevashel gedi, kemaisa hakenanim. They in Canaan used to do that. They did blood, they did milk and meat together. They cooked the meat and the milk together. They had some kind of an idea that if you eat this thing, milk and meat together, because it's a mixture of the different things that grow, that you're raising. You're raising animals, and you're raising milk, and you're, raising, and you're, doing, and you're doing meat. If you mix them together, you're going to have more success in your business, in, in raising cattle. It's going to be a big plus for you. Your stock market's going to go up if you eat meat and milk. Well, so what, what, what's it. happening is we're seeing that the Torah is saying not just don't eat meat and milk. It sounds very funny. And don't eat blood. It sounds very funny. The Torah is saying is the society was pushing that. And you have to hold back. That not eating meat and milk means not being like a Kanani. Not being like the nations of the world. Or as we said in the beginning, not to follow other gods. They're gods. They're life. Not to be like them. So it, really the Torah has said some heavy things here. I just want to end off on this, on this topic with one little point, which is interesting, that right after it says, you should take off a tithe. And the Chazal tell us that you should take the tithes in order to become rich, which means you could, you could test HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You want to give 10% of your money? You're testing a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He's going to make make you. He's going to, you're going to get. You're going to have money to, to 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 spend in the future. You're not going to be. You're not going to be short. That you can test Hashem on that particular mitzvah of mice of money, or actually money maybe not mice of the grain. 
Mice of the grain is the only thing it really is at the Minat Torah. So he says, if you give Meiser, you're going to become rich. And therefore, Laman Yitavlach applies here too. So what Tashem is saying, that if we follow him and don't follow the other gods and the other nations, then we are going to be secure and we are going to have bracha in our daily lives. And that's what Kashrus is all about. That you, the fact... Why do I need not to eat these things? You know, it's hard for us to think about it because we don't have the kananim today and we don't have any shadim that we see, so we don't know anything about all this. So for us, it's, it just seems odd. But when we realize this was what Hashem gave it for, to separate us from the nations that would lead us astray to other gods, as we saw happen with Peor, etc. So that's the kavana of the Torah, that's what kashras is all about, separating the Jew from the non-Jew so we will not be led astray and lose our connection with our Kaddish Baruch. Rabbi, yeah. I want to add, and, and first of all, I, I think that till today you have this kind of people in the Far East, for example, uh, people that eating anything that, uh, first of all, blood in Siberia, it's very common to drink <laughs> and eat it. Wow. This is part of the culture. And in the Far East, for example, if you take a, a brain of a monkey or a brain of a tiger, if you take a tiger t- teeth, and you know, the, everything is like, compa- the, if you eat it, you become like a tiger. If you become like, like you know, that's want to, uh, to, to be part of the animal, anima, animal characteristics, so you just take it and being uh, successful, you know, mm-hmm. like a lion. And this is a big, big market. It's a huge market, unfortunately, that people over there eating it and so create this. And I, I, I saw a lot of uh, videos about really like drinking dumb, uh, blood from, from a tiger. Real life, life, you know, they're right. taking it and just, uh, it's amazing. I want to uh, tell everybody about t- actually two more things. I'm going to read you something I got. Um, Actually, the gentleman called me, but I see this was something that was written, so I took it down. It's about what, I, what the gentleman talked to me about. And this is, again, on the topic of before. I should have read it to you before. Starbucks in Howell. Howell is right outside of Lakewood. Starbucks in Howell may be Chalv Yisrael, but it may be Treif. I was told that the Starbucks in Howell is um, I don't think I don't know, I don't know exactly what it's saying here. I asked if there uh, he he wanted to know if there's any other milk there, and they replied that only Chalav Yisrael milk is used. So Chalav Yisrael milk is used in the Starbucks in Howell. I asked if there's any other milk used. They replied only Chalav Yisrael. Okay, there was a sign in the front that the milk used is Chalav Yisrael, right outside of Lakewood, a Starbucks. What could be wrong? Then I noticed a picture advertising egg bites made with bacon and another dish with steak. Horrified, I asked if the equipment is washed together and was told that they only have one washing machine. It means only one dishwasher and the equipment is washed together with the treif. So here, all of the kalim in the store are treif. This is, not a, this is the, the classic problem we have today in these restaurants, these Starbucks. And yet, 
they're putting outside Chol of Israel with a sign up to trap all the people from Lakewood that 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 this is this is Chol of Israel and the people are going there thinking that they're safe. While I was there, I saw many from Yidden entering, ordering, and leaving. While there may be certain products that you can still order, please be aware that many are not okay, especially the frappuccinos. So I, I don't know about frappuccinos. I'm not familiar with the, with the Starbucks world. But obviously, here is a perfect example of a bait and switch that take you into the store with a sign about Chol Israel, which may or may not be true. I can't tell you because there's no, no Jews in the place, all Goyim. But still, they get you in there, and then you, and you turn around, you've got non-kosher kalim. You're making your drinks and everything on the non-kosher kalim, non-kosher machinery. And it just doesn't belong, it doesn't belong this way, especially B'nai Torah from Lakewood. So that's what they're doing to us, Rabbi Isai. It wasn't so foolish what we kept saying, go to a from place, go to some place with Ashkocha, stop trying to outsmart everybody, stop, stop trying to, 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 to trust the non-Jew telling you everything's fine. Anyway, I come to the last topic, and uh, if no one calls in, I'll, I'll have to add another topic probably at the end. This is very interesting also, but this is very, very, very uh, interesting for me. I got a call from a man who identified my, himself as a mashkiach for a certain hashkacha. And he told me the following story. And he asked me a question, because on page 24 in the March 2017 issue of Kashrus magazine, by the way, we just put out the September-October issue of Kashrus. If anybody wants to get that, you can call us at the office, 718-336-8544. Or you can email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. And uh, we, it, along with the magazine, we send along free the, uh, the updates on the, the Kosher Supervision Guide. It's a 24-page book with 81 additional things. We have altogether now 1,396 kosher agencies worldwide. That's up about 24 from this last time. So... Uh, if you're interested in getting the Conscious Magazine for September, October, it's, uh, call us at 718-336-8544, or you can email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com, and we're going to continue our special from j special in terms of the price. Unfortunately, we had to raise the prices of the magazine, and therefore, in the future, it'll have to go up. But if you take advantage right now, in the next two weeks, we'll be able to give you that pricing. At the end of September, we're taking that pricing off, and you have to go to the new pricing exclusively. Okay, so now let's go back here. This gentleman calls up, and he says, I'm doing the checking, and we have a big problem. In your magazine, on page 24 of the March 2017, you mentioned that people are using a pre-check that before they do the actual cleaning of the vegetables and examination of the water, that, uh, you know, and looking for the insects in the water, they now do like a pre-check. And that's something that's catching on. I wish it caught on more. And the number that they're looking for is usually three in one head, three bugs in one head. If there are three bugs in one head, then they won't proceed with the washing and cleaning because it's not going to get all out. If there's less than three in the head, 
they figure we're going to get them all. That's still the assumption of the system. So this gentleman called up and he said, we have a problem. In our cautious agency, they went down to one and a half, meaning that if there were one and a half insects in one head, you don't have halves, but it means two is three. And, that, and one is one and a half. This is the way of looking at it. If you have the average of one and a half per head, they used to examine six heads over in that place. So they examined six heads, and if you had more, that you had nine or more, they won't wash it, and you have to get rid of this, the, the produce. So he said that we did that, and you know what happened? I said, no. He said, we found that too many, and we had to tell the owners of the stores, you can't use this produce. And we sent it all back, and they couldn't use it, and they're up in arms. And he told me a, a private thing, that uh, which I could say because I'm not identifying who the organization is, and I don't even know the story either. He said, and one particular man, because he was so upset, he cheated on them. And all the years, they never cheated on them. But this time, he cheated. I don't know what it was they cheated. Maybe he tried to sneak some, some things in that weren't checked at all. But whatever it was, he cheated, he said. They caught him, and they, and, and they stopped it. But he said he never did that before. He's, he felt forced to it because they were so strict. So they're looking into now loosening up a little bit. And that's why he was asking me why I said three, why they, we suggested three per head as opposed to one or five. And that was the discussion that we had. It was a very interesting discussion. You know, they're, 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 calling, they're calling me up to ask about, you know, why we came up with that number of the three. And then really the answer is that we got it from people in the field who were doing the work and that that's what they seem to be understanding as a, as a, as a way of working, a working number. Obviously, one and a half is pretty tight and it wasn't working. And, but what you see from this story is a whole bunch of things. First of all, you see <laughs> we, that they're reading this magazine. But more importantly for you as, as listeners is to see that they're taking this thing very seriously today. The cautious agencies will put themselves on the line and, 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 and play a very tough game with the, with the businesses they're certifying. It's a really beautiful thing to see what is happening now in the field, at least in this place where these, this certification is really going and being machmir. And uh, it's, it's a really a, it's a pleasure to, to know that people are doing that in this day and age when other people are cutting corners. At least this conscious agency is, is very, very mocked and trying to do the best. So that's some of what we see. But we see that conscious agencies, if they are too hard, then they, sometimes it can be a negative reaction with the owners. And they do have to be sensitive to the needs of the owners, which is a challenge for them, and it's a very big challenge for the whole industry. And we see how the mashkiach is trapped in a very, very difficult position. He really does have to be a uh, somewhat of a policeman. He does have to be aware of some things and does have to report on the owners of the stores, and he's going to be put in a very embarrassing position. In this particular case, this, 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 I don't think the mashkiach, I'm not sure if he continues to work in that facility. I think not, because it just was a little bit too much that, you know, that he had to um, 
expose the uh, owner in that way. Um, we also see that uh, it's not a very simple thing to do this checking. Uh, I saw a video the other day from one conscious agency which is doing the new methodology of the, uh, what they call Shmata Badika, where they examine the water, they take the water and put it through a, uh, a, like a, a cloth, and then you have the, whatever bugs, or the, if there are any, remaining there, and you examine that. And they showed the method that they use. It was very, very interesting because uh, they showed that they do a pre-check, but the pre-check was the number five as opposed to the number of three. And I think it was even, not, the five I think was in a much smaller amount. They were doing it on a, um, a cilantro. So I think the number was five, and it was on cilantro, which didn't seem like it was a very big amount. So I'm not sure what that would equate to in heads of lettuce. But still in all, it seemed to me a little bit more makele. So you have people who are not going with the three, and people who are machmir down to one and a half, and people who are making up to five, which teaches you that different conscious agencies are different levels of commitment to the, to the thing. Even though they're all going to claim that we check with the new method of the Shmata Bedika, but we see here in, right in front of our eyes that they're not all using the same system. And, and many people are still not doing the Shmata Badika, and, and, and many people who I've spoken to feel that you need more than the Shmata Badika. So it's like a wild, woolly west. We had the article in that March issue where we show what all the conscious agencies who answered me, what, what their standards are. And you see it's from one extreme to another. And that's why a person has to think very carefully whom he wants to rely upon. This is the new, we're coming to the new year, and people are always looking for zechusim. Well, I think kashrus is definitely an area for zechusim, and I think we've talked about some of them tonight, and perhaps thinking more into which hashkachas we rely on, maybe making a call to them, maybe uh, you know, considering concern about uh, some of the vegetables that we eat, etc., etc. I was just told today about a certain recall that was made on, a, on broccoli and on a certain hashkacha, which I don't, have not verified, so I can't talk about it. I sent immediately an email to four people and I, in trying to find out, to ascertain if there was a recall and why we have not been informed of it. So that's the kind of work that we do at Kashrus, and if you want to speak to us during the week, my telephone number is 718 336 8544, or you could email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. My name, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. Until next week, wishing you much bracha and hatzlacha.